You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. And patience, you will inherit the promises of God and not be sluggish. And it's interesting here, he gives you the key for gaining this promise of God. And the keys are faith and patience. I know that a lot of us don't like to hear the word patience. You know, if you're like me, you pray, Lord, give me patience and give me now. But God wants us to have great patience as he works out his plan in our lives. Sometimes God's promises feel really far off and impossible. You may be tempted to give up on the things that God has promised you. However, Pastor Dave will encourage you today to wait patiently on the Lord. He is working in ways you can't see. And as you wait for Him, serve Him. Press on in faith, trusting God completely. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 5. As he begins his message, David, King of Israel. You are Second Samuel chapter 5. When you look at the life of David, as we've been studying, we see that even at a very, very young age, David lived a remarkable life. Even at a very young age, he lived a remarkable life. He was a shepherd boy, as you know, and while he watched his flock, he killed wild animals, protecting the flock. He even said that when he went to face Goliath, that he faced the bear, he faced the lions. He, he faced other wild animals and he killed them. So why wouldn't God use him to kill Goliath? And we know that those victories prepared him to face Goliath, which was a mighty, wonderful victory for our Lord. We know that David served King Saul, served him in the palace, was one of his palace people, came and went, and he became close and dear friends with Saul's son, Jonathan. In fact, David mourned greatly when Saul, King Saul and his son Jonathan were killed in battle. When Saul disobeyed the Lord and the kingdom was taken from him, David found himself anointed as the next king of Israel at a very young age. But his training and his preparation to become king had just begun. At least 10 years, if not more, passed as David found himself exiled from the nation hiding from King Saul and his men who sought to kill him. He spent years running from Saul, years running from his men, hiding out in caves and hiding out in all sorts of places. But during all this time, David exhibited a great patience. And I love that about David. You know, there are many, many things that I love about David, and there are some things that I'm not so wild about David. But I love this about him because he waited patiently for the Lord to accomplish in him that which the Lord promised to do. I think that's important for us to learn. To learn the patience that the Lord has given you a promise. To wait patiently for that. Notice David never tried to supersede the Lord and make himself king. He knew he was king. God himself had anointed him king through the prophet Samuel. David knew he was king. Samuel knew he was king. 
And as time went on, many, many other people knew that David would be the next king. But David, David never tried to force his way into the kingdom. Instead, he waited patiently for the promise that God had made to him about being king. And there's an interesting couple scriptures in Hebrews uh, chapter 6. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 11 and 12, uh, the writer says, And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, and that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So it looks like here the writer is saying if you have faith and patience, you will inherit the promises of God and not be sluggish. And it's interesting here, he gives you the key for gaining this promise of God. And the keys are faith and patience. Now, I know that a lot of us don't like to hear the word patience. You know, if you're like me, you pray, Lord, give me patience and give me now. But God wants us to have great patience as he works out his plan in our lives. God works out your, his plan in your life, and that's what he's working out right now. And you may be in the midst of a trial, you may be in the midst of a problem, you may be, in the, you may be on a mountaintop. But God is working out his will in your life, and he's working out his promises. And we're to be patient with faith as God works out his promises in us, and that's what we see from David. He says, the scripture says, don't be sluggish. Don't be sluggish here. And the word sluggish here can mean don't get discouraged because discouraged can make you sluggish. You know when you're discouraged, when you got that downcast feeling, you don't want to do anything. When you're discouraged, you just want to lay in bed and put the covers over your head. When you're discouraged, you don't want to go out and witness to your friends. When you're having a bad day at work, when you have a bad day at home, one of the first things you always want to come out is that which you need most, Bible study. You cut it out because you're discouraged. You become sluggish. You're discouraged. And sometimes we get so discouraged that we think, we might as well just give up. I wonder how many times we've given up when we've been this close to God's promises. I wonder how many times we just gave up when God's promises were just so close. I can just see the Lord going, no, not now. The promise is just ready to happen. What are you doing? Because he's a gentleman, he allows us to go forth, and then he adds this to our training regiment. And he says, well, I guess you have to train a little longer. One commentator said this, first we lose the desire to press on, and then we lose the desire to go on. Pressing onward is tough sometimes. Pressing onward is difficult sometimes, especially in the direst of circumstances. Sometimes the circumstances are so rough in your life, you say, why should I go on? Why should I press on? Why should I go forward? Well, I can tell you one reason why. It's because of what awaits you at the end. Paul says, run the race to win. Finish well. Run the race to win, to gain the prize. Not everybody run, runs to win, but you should run to win and gain the prize of the high calling of Jesus Christ. Paul says, press onward. Press onward to the high calling. Move forward. Forget those things that are behind. And press onward. Move forward. And this is action here. Although David was running for his life, he was doing many things. He didn't idly sit by and wait for the Lord to do what he accomplished. But he had patience. Patience doesn't mean sitting around eating bonbons. Patience means actively serving the Lord. Actively serving our Lord constantly. 
I love this John Waller song. I'm going to serve you while I'm waiting. I'm going to serve you while I'm waiting. I'm going to worship while I'm waiting. As you're waiting for the Lord's promises, you worship and you serve him. And he trains you up and then his promise comes. When David was discouraged, what did he do? Remember coming out of that long, dark place that David was in back in 1 Samuel 30? On verse Samuel 30, verse 6, it said, David encouraged himself in the Lord. I really like that. We all like to be encouraged. And we all like someone to come alongside of us. I know I do. I love it when my wife has to come alongside and go, oh, poor baby. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. He went to the Lord, and the Lord encouraged him. He encouraged himself in the Lord. How do we encourage ourselves in the Lord? Through his word. We read his word, and we're encouraged, and we glean from it some promises. We glean from it hope. We glean from it salvation. We glean from it faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So we can encourage ourselves in the Lord. And yes, we need to encourage others. We need to be ever encouraging to each other. But we don't have to wait for it. We can encourage ourselves in the Lord. We draw close to him, draw nigh to God, and he draws close to us, right? That's what the scripture says. If you draw nigh to God, he'll draw nigh to you. So as we seek him, he comes to us and he finds us. And he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And David knew this. David knew if he sought God and if he confessed his sin that God would forgive him, and he would have this great relationship. I mean, after all, Scripture says David was a man after God's own heart. And we're going to see that sometimes it didn't look that way. Sometimes it looked like David was so far from God that how could he possibly be a man after God's own heart? But David knew that through the Word, through prayer, through worship, through fellowship, we seek God, and we draw nigh to him. Your problems then seem to dissolve because we're seeking him with our whole heart and we're allowing him to be our encouragement. I'm not depending upon every man, although everybody likes to be encouraged, don't get me wrong. Everybody likes to have someone who encourages them, don't get me wrong. But when we seek God, the encouragement he gives is so far greater. It is so far greater than anything. David trusted in the Lord in the most difficult of circumstances, and so should we. David should be our example of trusting in the Lord in dire circumstances. He was running for his life. A very, very young man running for his life. At every corner, someone wanted to kill him. At every corner, somebody was diming him out to, to King Saul. He was constantly being hunted like an animal, like a criminal, when he had done nothing wrong except received an anointing from God to be king. That was the guilty part that he had. David never came against King Saul. He lived in the most difficult circumstances. You may be going through difficult circumstances right now. You might not. Circumstances come and circumstances go. Circumstances change. Circumstances get bad, they get better. They get worse, they get better. Circumstances of our life are constantly ebb and flow. But in Malachi 3, verse 6, there's a hugely important scripture. I, the Lord, do not change. Circumstances change. Circumstances will change tomorrow. Circumstances change, but I, the Lord, don't change. And we can trust in that. And we can bank on that. We can trust in God for that. We can trust him for that because that's what his word says. I, the Lord, don't change. We know he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We know his character. We know his love. We've experienced it. But yet, every time that circumstances come along, we start 
freaking out. We start running around like chickens with our head cut off. Where's God? Where's God? Where's God? But he said, I'm right here. I've never left you. I'll never leave nor forsake you. We can trust in that. And David trusted in God. God said he would be king, and it was God who would make him king. It was God who would put him where he needed to be. If the Lord has given you a promise, God said it, and it will come to pass. I don't know when it will happen. The Lord promised that I would be a pastor. In 1993, 17 years later, he made it happen. 17 years later, he made it happen. I didn't make it happen. I didn't force my way anywhere. He made it happen. And I have to admit, I didn't always wait patiently for him. I tried to circumvent him several times and open up a study here, open up a study there, but it wasn't his will. So the study went for a while, and then it didn't happen anymore. God has a plan, and we must follow that. David trusted in the Lord all through those times, but all those times were training Times of building up, times of getting him strong, times of getting him to trust in God when there was nobody else to trust into. Sometimes God has to take everything away from you. If you're trusting in your bank account all the time, wait till God takes your bank account away. Then what are you going to trust in? Well, God takes away your house, your spouse, your children. Well, who are you going to trust in then? We trust in God and God alone because he is faithful and true. God wanted to restore the kingdom of Israel. There were two nations. There were 11 tribes that formed the nation Israel, and there was one tribe, the tribe of Judah, that formed the nation Judah. Each of them had kings. They were fighting against each other. Each of them were separate. God wanted to restore them, and he wanted to use David to restore the nation. David had been appointed king of Judah by their elders. And then there was a long war that we talked about between Israel and Judah. And after much bloodshed, after major people being taken out, after all of Saul's family, save one, being killed, nephews and everybody, the people of Israel finally recognized God's call upon David's life. And they too then anointed him king. And now David sits king over all of Israel. All 12 tribes are now under him. And they are subject to him because he is king over all of Israel. And as we move on in chapter 5, and we begin in verses 6 through 10, we see that David now needs to choose a city from which he can reign, a capital city, if you will. And David, led by God, chooses Jerusalem. Jerusalem is not occupied by the Israelites. Jerusalem is occupied by the Jebusites. They never tried to take it away. It actually was in and around the border of Benjamin and Judah. The town of Jerusalem sits kind of like some of them in Benjamin and some of it in Judah. So it's there right there. And God was going to use this. He's going to continue to use it, and he'll use it years from now. We don't know. Hopefully sooner than we think. But let's read 6 through 10. And the king and his men, that's David and his men, went to Jerusalem against the Jebusites, and the inhabitants of the land who spoke to David, saying, You shall not come in here, but the blind and the lame will repel you, thinking, David cannot come in here. Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion, that is, the city of David. Now David said on that day, Whoever climbs up the way of the water shaft and defeats the Jebusites, the lame and the blind, who are hated by David's soul, he shall be chief and captain. Therefore they say, The blind and the lame shall not come into the house. Then David dwelt in the stronghold and called it the city of David. And David built around from the Milo and inward. So David went on and became great, and the Lord God of hosts was with him. Wow. 
David chooses Jerusalem as his capital. It's a wise choice. Like I said, it belonged to the Jebusites. It was never overthrown by the Israelites. This was one of the things that haunted them ever since they came into the land. God told Joshua to do what? Take all the land. Take it all. It all belonged to you. But we know from reading Joshua and Judges that they failed to do that. They failed to take all the land. Now, at one time, for a very, very short time, I think Jerusalem did belong to the Benjamites, but the Jebusites came back and took it away. So this city laid on the border of Benjamin, which is where Saul came from, and on the tribe of Judah, which is where David came from. It never belonged to any tribe as such, so David could never be accused of playing favorites. If he had gone down to Judah and basically stayed in Hebron or gone down to Judah and found a place there, everybody would have said, well, you're just playing favorites because you're in the tribe of Judah. So David didn't do that. The Lord guided David to Jerusalem because it was the perfect city. It's built on a rocky hill. It's surrounded by valleys. There's only one vulnerable spot, and that's the northern area. But it was highly defensible. Even more so, the Lord chose Jerusalem because it would be extremely strategic in his plan of salvation. We know that it was just outside Jerusalem that Jesus was killed. We read in Revelation that there'll be a new Jerusalem. There'll be a new city. The occupants of Jerusalem, they thought their city was impregnable. They were saying, the blind and the lame could defend it. This made David mad. He probably said, what? He said, the lie of the blame couldn't get us. What's wrong with you? We're so tough, you can't get it. David, well, yeah. He knew that the Lord had promised Moses the whole land. He knew that Joshua was supposed to take all the land. He knew that they didn't do it. They knew that this city was now occupied by the Jebusites. So by faith, David planned his attack. David knew the importance of Jerusalem, so he offered a great reward. Anybody who finds a way in, I'll make you a captain and chief of captains. What's really cool is 1 Chronicles follows 2 Samuel a lot. There's a lot of information that you can glean from 1 Chronicles that's not in 2 Samuel. We find out of the name of the man who found the water shaft through which David's men came into the city. It was the buddy Joab. Yeah, the guy who killed Abner, the guy who David put a curse on. Yeah. Joab was the man who found the way in. And I looked at this, and I went, whoa, this is pretty cool. The Lord today wants to capture cities. He wants to capture individuals. He wants to capture hearts. And he's looking for men and women to help defeat the enemy. People to help others to come out of the bondage of slavery. Now, we know in the past that Joab is not such a great guy. He's not the most outstanding of individuals, but it gives me great hope because we see the Lord using him here. So you may consider yourself not so great. You may consider yourself like Paul considered him the chief of sinners. You may consider yourself as the lowliest of low, not worthy. Maybe I'm not as spiritual as other people. But if you were just simply willing to be used by God, he would use you. God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. He uses those things to get his point across. The Lord is always placing desires upon our heart. He's placing thoughts in our head. You know, talk to that person. Reach out to that co-worker. Help that person out. Show him or her my love. But just like what happened to David, as soon as we hear the words of the Lord, the enemy will say, you're nothing. The, line, the blind and the lame could take care of you. 
You're nothing. Who do you think you are to be used by the Lord? The enemy will always tell you you're no good. The enemy will always tell you that you don't even have a prayer to succeed. Little ladies who know that by prayer, you will succeed. And through prayer, you will be seen. But God is saying, look, look for a way into their heart. Look for a way into their city. Look for a way to get them to come to me. Even if you're Joab, look for a way, and I'll use you. David captured Jerusalem, and it became known as the city of David. He fortified the northern side of the walls and such, and they move on. And you know what? I have to be honest. When our president declared Jerusalem the capital of Israel, my heart soared. My heart really, really soared. It was like, wow, wow. It was a beautiful thing. God still has a mighty plan for the city of Jerusalem. A mighty, mighty plan. We know that David was a man after God's heart. David wanted increasingly more and more of God. He wanted all that God had for him. It says David went on and grew great. I love that. David went on and grew great. I love that scripture in verse 10. So David went on and became great, and the Lord God of hosts was with him. I'm telling you right now, why did David become great? Because the Lord God of hosts was with him. That's why he became great. David didn't become great on his own. He became great because he was trusting in God. He became great because God was with him. And God's plan is almost always hidden price of greatness. There's always one. And often to become great among God's people, you must experience extreme pain. You must experience extreme poverty. You must experience extreme circumstances. Refiner's fire, they call it. You must be put through the fire. The test that God refines you into the image that he wants you to be. That's what he did to David. That's what he talked about. David was a man after God's own heart. He increasingly wanted to know God more and more, and he grew great by knowing God more and more. He wanted all that God had for him. He didn't want anything to go by the wayside. He wanted more and more knowledge of God. The Apostle Peter, in his epistle of number one, tells us to grow in the grace of the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Grow in that grace and knowledge. Grace is not only the way, only way that God draws you to himself, but it's the way that we stay in, in the beginning. He continues to draw us, and then grace after grace comes about us. It's how we move and breathe. But the Apostle Paul say, by the grace of God I am what I am. It's the grace of God that makes me who I am. I'm the least of the apostles, but by God's grace of who I am. God draws us in the beginning by his grace, and then he continues to sustain us by the same grace. We grow and we stay in our steadfastness. And there's that word, steadfastness. It means having a resolve to stay strong in the Lord. We can never grow apart from the grace and the knowledge of our Lord. We can never grow out of God's grace. Paul says, I am what I am by that grace. We need to be ever growing in God's grace. We need to be ever growing in the knowledge of who Jesus is and who God is. And what has transpired on the cross? We need to look at the cross, let it sink into our heart, and let it become a reality, not just words. You are
The book of 2 Samuel continues the story of King David as he's finally able to ascend the throne. Though he seemed to have achieved God's calling on his life, David's journey wasn't free of problems. David was still human, and he made mistakes that affected him and those he loved. But during the rest of his life, no matter where it took him, David remained a man after God's own heart. When confronted with his sin, David consistently turned back to his heavenly father, confessing and asking for forgiveness. David knew he wasn't perfect and that he needed the mercy only God could provide. Today, we hope you too remember that God's mercy is worth seeking. He's provided for you the grace you need to live free from your sin through the blood of Jesus. Jesus came to die on the cross in your place, taking the punishment your sins deserved. Would you like to know more about having your sins forgiven? Please visit our website then, assurehoperadio.com. Click on How to Be Saved to learn all about what Jesus has done for you and why you need His grace in your life. If you still have questions or would like us to pray with you, please don't hesitate to call us, 609-884-5821. Again, that number is 609-884-5821. We're so glad you tuned in today. You can hear more messages like this from Pastor Dave at our website as well. Just click on podcasts slash radio when you visit assurehoperadio.com. Thanks for joining us today on Assure Hope.